What an amazing Memorial Day weekend. The Atlanta Braves called up their number one prospect, outfielder Michael Harris. And the college baseball field of 64 on the road to Omaha is set. Here's what MLB draft fans need to be watching for in the regionals. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And speaking of first, Braves outfielder Michael Harris, as we mentioned, was called up to Atlanta for the weekend series against the Marlins. So, refresher here. Number one prospect in the system after the trade of Christian Pache and Shea Langoliers to Oakland. Uh, 2019 third rounder out of high school nearby Stockbridge High School in Stockbridge, Georgia, about 20 or so miles from the ballpark. And uh, he's actually the youngest Georgia-born player to debut for the Atlanta Braves, 21 years and 82 days old. A uh, lot of firsts that he set there. And the, the, the story behind Michael Harris was exceptional defender, uh, very, very good contact ability. Power is developing. Power is getting there. Uh, and we honestly didn't think we'd see him in the majors this quickly. As I mentioned on Saturday when we put out the short video after the promotion was announced, he only, at this point in his career, only has 43 games outside of the low minors. He spent uh, 43 games in A Mississippi this year. Batted 305, 372, 506, five home runs, and 11 of 14 on stolen bases. Uh, and that's all that he had done above A ball. He was in low A, and then he was in high A. We lost to 2020. He went to the alternate site, impressed a lot of people at the alternate site in 2020, came in in 2021, finished out in high A. 2022 started off in double A and now is in Atlanta. Uh, and over the weekend, so we're recording this on Sunday night. So, I'm uh, sorry, Monday night. So Monday's, Monday's game is not over yet. But leading into Monday's game, uh, one for six, two strikeouts uh, and a run. The hit was a sixth inning single off of Sandy Alcantara in a game when he struck out like 14. I don't know. It was insane. and. Uh, I think that Michael Harris showed offensively and defensively what Atlanta was looking for. So offensively, his first at-bat was a strikeout, struck out on on some three straight off-speed pitches. Uh, Some of the later at-bats were much better. Uh, Quality contact uh, or just getting beat in a way that most MLB players get beat. There wasn't anything. He didn't look overmatched at the plate. He didn't look like he couldn't hang with this level at the plate. Uh, he he got on in front of Ronald Acuna. Ronald Acuna uh, hit a single. He went first to third. Uh, flashed that plus speed. I mean, he's probably the, one of the best athletes and one of the faster base runners in this system. I don't necessarily know if he's faster than Ronald Acuna Jr. I don't know if we'll ever get a chance to test that. You know, you get a guy coming off an ACL, last thing they're going to do is they're going to go out and they're going to have a race. Um, 
but was able to go from first to third. And just the thought of having those two guys on the base pass together is fun. Both those uh, aggressive base runners, but very good at knowing when they can take a base and when they can't. And uh, just tons of fun to watch. And and to me, that's going to be something exciting to see as they progress on. And then defensively, you know, part of the reason they called him up was to get his defense. Atlanta lost Eddie Rosario early in the season to an eye issue. He's not due back until after the All-Star break. Uh, They have Adam Duvall playing center field. He played center field in every game up until the first game with Michael Harris on Saturday. Uh, I've had the theory for a while that the bigger guys like an Adam Duvall Asking them to play center field every day hurts their offense. We've seen Adam Duvall have a very slow start to the season. And I think it's when you get those power hitters, those bigger guys, so much of that home run power comes through your legs. And when you're playing center, there's so much more running you have to do than when you're playing a corner. And so I think Michael Harris being up, if he's able to stay up, that's going to take some of the load off of Adam Duvall. And I think that's going to allow him to start hitting better once he can go back to a corner. But you had Adam Duvall, uh, you had Travis Demerit and infielder Orlando Arcia and Guillermo Heredia and Marcelo Zuna all trying to cover the outfield whenever Ronald Acuna wasn't playing. And we've seen it not look great. And so now Michael Harris is, um, for now, going to be the everyday center fielder. We'll see whether or not he stays in Atlanta or he gets moved out. But uh, in his first taste of big league action, defensively looked like he belonged. Flash the plus speed. He'd get on his horse and go chase out a ball in the gap. Uh, he had, I think, two or three fly ball outs that he collected uh, backing up Tucker Davidson on Saturday that, honestly, I don't know if if... Some of the other outfielders on this roster um, would have made those same plays, uh, getting a great a great read, uh, having a good reaction off the ball, and a good route to it to get it in the gap before it was extra bases. So, all in all, a good promotion. I think one where very excited to see what he does. And again, not without risk. He's only got forty three games above. The low minors, so forty-three games in and and double A, and that's that's it. And the power numbers aren't great on their face. You have to understand that uh, the Southern League very much is a lot of uh, pitchers' parks, especially in Mississippi. And so I think that artificially kind of holds down some of these numbers. And the Braves believe that he can be a twenty-five to thirty homer guy with a full season in the majors. Uh, it's something where they're projected out past, I mean, 506 slugging, but they're projected out a little past that because of the offensive environment he was in. When you get into some more player-friendly parks, like you're going to have at the big league level, uh, right now they're in Arizona. When they finish this, they are going to Colorado for a series. So you want to talk about giving the kid a place to hit, a friendly environment to hit. You get to go hit uh, in Colorado. Uh you know, in mile high stadium. So, so giving him a chance, giving him some long runway to make it work. And ultimately the Braves uh, had to do this, right? Haven't gotten the production from their outfitters that they expected. Haven't had the characteristic defense. And again, I really, they haven't said a lot about this. I really do think that um, 
playing center field every day has hurt Adam Duvall's offense. And I think this will be a boost not only defensively to the club, but offensively, even if Michael Harris doesn't do a lot at the plate, because it'll help Adam Duvall come back into form. And then obviously, when Ronald, the days Ronald Acuna does play, he's right there next to Michael Harris. You have a great, um, a great one, two, three tandem in the outfield. In just a minute, I want to dive into this field of 64 for the college baseball uh, postseason, but specifically kind of some of the regionals that I'm eyeing and I'm watching from a major, uh, from an MLB draft perspective. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can get the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, MLB scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because Bet Online is where the game starts. So if we're looking at, at the field of 64, and just a quick refresher on the way that the NCAA does this, you have 16 regional sites. Each regional site, um, the number one seed is, is the host, and it's all played at their home ballpark, but four teams, a one, a two, a three, to four seeds, will be there you play a double elimination round. This is the regionals. Friday through Sunday, maybe a Monday game if you have to. I'll get there in a second. Um, the Each one through eight seed, those are national seeds. So what that means is you are going to host the Super Regional if you make it. So for instance, the number one overall seed is Tennessee. So they are the one seed uh, they have three other teams with them, and they are paired with the number 16 seed, Georgia Southern. So Georgia Southern is the 16 seed. If they advance to the Super Regional, they will go to Knoxville and play versus Tennessee. So it's a double elimination, one versus four, two versus three. Um, the winner of the two and three game play the number one team like it's there's a whole double elimination bracket you if you win the regional you either if you win every game you play three games if you drop one of the final two you play four but starts this friday uh the games all start friday morning they'll have games uh in the morning in the evening probably two games on saturday two games on sunday and if needed a game on monday so it's going to be very exciting. And some of the regionals to talk about from a draft perspective, that Knoxville one that I mentioned, very, very big. So the number one seed overall, Tennessee, tons of guys on the draft boards. And we've heard a lot about a lot of these guys. Um, outfielder Jordan Beck is expected to be a first round draft pick this year. Big physical corner outfielder, ton of raw power. And so... um. What, there was a slight question over the offseason about what was he going to do, and he just came out of the gates hot this year. Um, pretty easy. He's an above-average runner for being a bigger guy like he is. Has a really good arm, so he can play right field. The comp that I'm seeing, and again, I don't do a ton of comps on this show. The comp that I'm seeing is a Hunter Renfro kind of guy. Uh, unusually athletic for a corner outfielder, as long as he kind of maintains... 
his fitness and and does the work he should be at least average, if not above average defensively. So power guy there. But then outside of that, they've got another outfielder, Drew Gilbert, um, kind of a top 50 guy. Uh, they've got third baseman, Trey Lipscomb, um, you know, a uh, uh, guy with a lot of pop kind of really exploded this year. Um, the bat just has been electric this year. And then some pitchers. Um, Blade Tidwell was expected to be one of the better college pitchers this year. He had some, had some shoulder in, had a shoulder injury, didn't debut until later in the season, came back and was able to pitch for half the season, had a limited role, sometimes out of the bullpen, worked his way back into starting. Uh, fastball can touch 99. It sits upper nineties. Usually it's got a ton of inverted vertical break to it. It's got a, like a sweepy slider. It looks plus a uh, curveball that's fringy, but can get better. It's got room. To, it's got room to develop there. Really athletic. Uh, and, and, and so it's probably depending on how he does in the tournament, going to be seen as a first round guy, uh, simply because we've talked about this so much. There's just a lack of college pitchers in this draft. And quite a few of the, the regionals we're going to highlight here are ones that have college pitchers because that top end is gone. All of those top end college pitchers are hurt uh, or suspended. Shout out Carson Wisenhunt um, or pitching in the Frontier League. Shout out Kumar Rocker. But uh, outside of, of Blake Tidwell, there's, I mean, everybody's heard about him. Ben Joyce, the guy with just the effortless velocity. We've seen Ben Joyce hit 104 this year. Um, has a slider that he sometimes struggles with, but it's something where, I mean, you're throwing. He's he's a reliever. He's coming in to throw 104. He's got amazing arm talent. Um, he's got a changeup that he can occasionally use. But you throw 104. I mean, he's probably going to be a second or third round guy based off of that alone. No matter what he does in the tournament, uh, he has started a bit. So kind of showing that he's not necessarily pigeonholed into that relief role, although I do think his, his, his arsenal uh, probably is a little more oriented towards relieving. And then when you get outside of that, you've got quite a few guys that are there in this regional as well. So Alabama State's the four seed, Campbell's the three seed, um, and and... Georgia Tech is the two seed. So Georgia Tech, obviously, first person we think about there is Kevin Parada. Um, it's going to be down to to either him or Daniel Susak as far as who's going to be the number one catcher in this class. Um, but, I mean, Kevin Parada, and I think the big question there is, is he going to have to move off of uh, catcher or not? Can he stay there? He's put a lot of work in this year. So you'd think that... Uh, he's going to be at least average. Obviously, when you have automated balls and strikes, which will probably happen in the MLB, some of his deficiencies aren't as bad. Uh, you still have an arm strength question, things like that. And people aren't necessarily 100% on exactly should he stay behind the dish or not. But either way, expect him to go in the top five. Um, just a lot there to go along with him. Uh, Chandler Simpson, the second baseman, uh, Drew Compton, the first baseman, Trey Gonzalez, the outfielder. All of these guys are also guys that we're talking about um, 
you know, to go probably in that the that top 10 rounds there. To go along with that, another guy not getting as much pub, but somebody that I've been kind of watching is Marquise Grissom Jr. He's the son of former big leaguer Marquise Grissom. Big, strong, righty. Um, really has some good stuff. Uh, usually usually sits 92 to 94. I think he's got a little bit of projection there. Throws a really big breaking ball. Uh, moves on two different planes. A lot of depth to it. He can throw it against righties or lefties. He's confident with that. He's got a changeup that he throws. It's really good against lefties. Um, I think one of the issues there, he's going to need a little bit of development. Um, he's got some some extra effort in his delivery, which gives me an injury concern. But he's got the arm speed. He's got the athleticism. And that if he can get ahead, start getting ahead of hitters where his secondaries can come out and really do damage, I think he's going to be in a, an effective potential starter for you. So definitely going to watch what he does in this regional. And then Campbell. You can't forget about Campbell. So... Campbell actually has two um, top 50 prospects here. Uh, so we're looking at um, right-hand pitcher Thomas Harrington, probably going to go against Georgia Tech in that first game. Um, runs a fastball up to about 95, 96. Has a four-seamer and a two-seamer. Got a big swing and miss slider. Breaks on both stuff. The changeup took a big jump this year. So it's probably an above-average pitch now. Looks like he's going to be a middle-of-the-rotation guy. Uh, I think he needs to throw the breaking pitches with a little more authority. He's a little timid with those still, but uh, I do see him as probably a second-round guy, maybe sneaking into the first, depending on if some MLB teams want a healthy college starter or they are willing to wait on a guy to rehab from a Tommy John. Um. To go along with him, you've got one of the better college shortstops. Not the best. I mean, that's Brooks Lee from Cal Poly. But one of the better college shortstops in his class in Zach Neto. Uh, he's the shortstop for Campbell. Uh, this, the Not the player comp, but the, what the swing, the swing looks like, the way he does things with it. Um, I've, I've seen some scouting reports that talk about a Javi Baez type of swing. Uh, but good hitter. Good track record, been successful in college, successful at the Cape. Uh, very aggressive hitter. Um, really good at, at getting out in front of the ball and generating a lot of power. Uh, has a great raw power, and you wonder how much is going to show. But again, time at the Cape, you can see Woodwise, um, he's still got that power. So really interesting regional there as far as draftable talent. And then to go along with that, the... Uh, the number 14, so not paired with that one, but the number 14 regional uh, is at Auburn. So interesting grouping here because you've got Auburn, UCLA, Florida State, and Southeastern Louisiana. So some some depth to this regional. And uh, a lot of pitchers from UCLA and Florida State to look at. I say a lot comparatively. Um, so when you're going with this Florida State squad, and we've talked about it all year, they've got these two great lefties in the rotation, Parker Messick and Bryce Hubbard. Both these guys are probably top 100s. I'm going to guess probably a second round grade on Parker Messick and a third round grade on Bryce Hubbard. But two, uh, two draftable lefties you can get kind of high. And then to go along with that, UCLA 
has two righties that I think you're going to see probably later in day two in a Max Rajic, R-A-J-C-I-C, I think I got that right, and a Jake Brooks. So, you know, great pitching. You're going to get great pitching in this, this regional. Those two teams will face off against one another to open the regional at 11 a.m. local time on Friday. I imagine that's going to be a Parker Messick versus Mac Rajic matchup because you want to win the first game of the regional. Uh, that's the best path to, to winning the whole thing because you, in essence, kind of get a bye while the loser's bracket dukes it out. Um, Auburn side, they've got a couple pitchers as well as some position players. So um, reliever Blake Burkhalter led the SEC in saves this year. Big fastball guy. He's got a he's got a four-seamer. He's got a two-seamer. He's got a cutter. A change as well was a weapon for him. Um, so somebody you're going to be looking for probably in that, that day two range. A uh, couple of their starting pitchers, whether it's righty Mason Barnett, righty Trace Bright. Um, lefty Hayden Mullins would have been in here. He suffered, um, suffered an arm injury late in the season. He's going to have Tommy John sometime soon. Uh, don't know what his plans are, if he plans to, to sign after getting drafted and rehab in the pros, or if he's coming back to Auburn for another year. And then offensively, you're looking at third baseman Blake Rambush. I believe he led the SEC in hits. Uh, just, you know, corner infielder playing third right now, probably destined for second in the pros. Uh, stole almost 20 bags. Not a ton of pop, but solid defensively. Good arm, good speed, great contact ability, rarely struck out. Um, a guy I think you're going to see was one of those, uh, you know, cheap, uh, discounted college guys the back half of the second day. And then first baseman, Sonny Deshera. The, uh, the co-SEC player of the year. One of the biggest power guys in the class. P- plus, plus raw power. Uh, obviously, the track record of hitting in the SEC. Uh, one of the, some of the questions you're going to have are, is about position. Uh, it's kind of assumed he's going to be a designated hitter, although he did play at first base almost every single game for Auburn this year. Uh, he is going to be almost 23 on draft day, but... Kind of seems like the perfect kind of guy that you go grab in the back half of day two, save a little money slot-wise so that you can go get a high schooler higher in the draft. So a lot of talent in the Sovereign Regional. And in just a minute, I, I, I'm excited to break down a couple other ones that I'm just really excited to see the talent in there. But first... All right, so uh, another interesting... Regional and actually the regional that is attached to this Auburn regional is the number th- is the the number three seed Oregon State. Uh, so this by attached I mean the winner of the Auburn regional will travel to the winner of the Corvallis regional for the super regionals. Like that's how these two are together. So this this bracket number four seed New Mexico State, number three seed San Diego, number two seed Vanderbilt. Number one seed, Oregon State. So tons of talent here. Uh, And we're actually going to start with San Diego. So San Diego has two top 250 pitchers. uh, Lefty Bryson Motts and righty Troy Melton. So two guys, you're going to see them in in the weekend. Um, Obviously, they match up with Vanderbilt for game one. If they beat Vanderbilt, they probably, looks like they have to play Oregon State. So you're going to see those two guys come out pretty early. But but Vandy's going to counter. They've got some, some really interesting corner infield talent. So you're looking at a Spencer Jones, 
and a dominant Keegan. So Spencer Jones is really interesting because he can play center field. Like he's got, you know, you look at his height, you look at his athleticism. He's got a great arm. He was actually a pitcher coming out of high school, but he had TJ surgery, so he kind of gave that up. A lot of raw power. It hasn't really materialized in the game. So he's probably, it probably would do him good to go back to college for another year. But if you're in the top 60 on draft boards and you go in the second round, you're not going to go back to college. Uh, I think he kind of needs to figure out defensively what the plan is. Is he going Is he going to play the infield? Is he going to play the outfield? He's got long strides. He can cover a lot of ground out there. Again, the arm is more than good enough to play center field. It's just a question of um, what does he look like out there? And then can he figure out how to tap into that raw power and get it into games? So uh, really interesting there. And the other guy is Dominic Keegan. So Dominic Keegan, along with the show, one of the uh, best power guys in this class. He was draft eligible last year, was taken in the 19th round by the Yankees, chose to go back to school, uh, wanted to continue his education, uh, trying to get a little bit more money as far as a signing bonus goes. There is, I mean, it is easily double plus power here. And the comp, and again, I don't do comps, going off the scouting reports, the comp that is being given for him, for his power and his type of, the type of player that he is, is an Adam Duvall. Um, He's got double plus raw power, like I said. Doesn't really swing and miss a lot. So he's not sacrificing contact ability to tap into that power. And ridiculous exit velos. I mean, just, he's probably a 30 home run guy if he can hit enough and get enough at-bats to make it happen. The issue here is he's a below average athlete he's probably not going to be able to stick in a corner outfield spot. So you're probably going to look at a first baseman or a DH. Uh, They talk about maybe a little bit behind the plate, but like you're looking at like a first baseman DH kind of profile. So he really needs to make sure that he's he's actually hitting. Um, But yeah, if he gets enough at-bats and, you know, He's going to be a useful big leader. Just the question is, can he make enough contact? Can he hit enough um, to get those 30 homers in the season? And then to go along with with this is Oregon State. And any conversation we have about Oregon State comes back to our boy, Cooper Herpe. Um, You know, the lefty pitcher, I think he's one of the better college pitchers available if you're looking at draftable guys who have been healthy all year, I mean, you're pretty much looking at it's him and it's Gabriel Hughes from, from Gonzaga. Like those are the two guys that were supposed to be good, have been good the entire time um, and are now hitting the draft. I think both, I think he's a first rounder. Um, the comp, the, the, the comp as far as pitching style, not the player, but the p- pitching style is a Josh Hader as far as delivery. Uh, fastball touches 95. He's got a just absolutely amazing slider that just sweeps across the zone. Pretty above average changeup. Doesn't walk a lot of guys. Gets a ton of swing and miss. And so really consistent in the rotation. And the thing that I've liked about Cooper Herpe watching him this year is there's a ton of deception 
in this delivery. And it's one of those things that we can't quite quantify yet, but it's just very unique. And I think that we're going to look back and he's going to be one of the more productive pitchers out of this first round class. This is a Cooper Herpe podcast. We like Cooper Herpe on this podcast. But to go along with that, uh, Oregon State's got, got two outfielders that are highly rated, Jacob Melton and Justin Boyd. There's two right-hand pitchers there, um, Jake Finning and Will Frisch. So lots of options as far as like draftable guys in this Corvallis regional. And then the other regional that I'm watching is the Coral Gables regional. So this one, you've got Miami, you've got Arizona, you've got Old Miss, and you've got Kinesius. So Miami's got three top 200 guys. If you remember our ACC preview, we talked about Carson Palmquist. He was moving from relieving to starting. He's been very effective. Uh, watching him pitch reminds me, not a comp, reminds me a lot of Chris Sale. It's like a really funky arm slot. It's like a three-quarter low-ish slot. And so his arm's coming from this ridiculously wide angle at you. And it's just... Doesn't have a ton of velo. He sits in the lower 90s. But the slider sweeps across. It's really good. And then um, against righties, the changeup is just... Like, it'll... It'll tie in knots. And so if you think that his that he's pitched well enough as a starter this year to stay as a starter, then definitely a first-round guy. And then right behind him is righty Andrew Walters. Uh, was up, Came out of the bullpen, rest, just sits mid-90s every day. Has run it up to 98, throws a ton of strikes. I think he's, not going to necessarily say that he's like a finished product, but I think that he can move quickly into your bullpen if you take him in the third round or maybe even the fourth round. Andrew Walters is a guy who can who can probably by next season can be helping your major league team in some form or fashion during that 2023 season. Um, Arizona doesn't have a ton of talent. Arizona, uh, the two seed in this so not a ton of guys, but obviously Daniel Susak, the other big catcher, and probably the better of the two defensively with a bat that's close to Kevin Prada. Doesn't have the power performance of Kevin Prada, but a bat that's close. Uh, he's going to be obviously top 10 pick there. He's going to be somebody to watch from Arizona. And then when you get to Old Miss, uh, really interesting here, a couple guys. So outfielder TJ McCants was a big prospect coming out of high school. Honored the commitment. Uh, still going to be a big-time prospect. Probably like probably in your top 150 or so. Very, very good athlete. Plus-plus speed, so very, very fast. Covers a lot of ground. Um, I like him in center field. He's played, all over, he's played all over. I like him in center field. He can steal. The arm is a little fringy. That's what I worry about is, is how good his arm is. But he's got the speed. He's got the instincts. He's got the reactions to play center field. The arm isn't good enough. He's not going to be a Kevin Kiermaier and you know and gun somebody down, but it's going to be good enough. Um, power wise, I wonder about like how much power he can get out of that. Uh, where is it going to end up? I've seen forty-five grades. I've seen higher. I don't quite know where the power is going to be, but I like the contact ability. He doesn't strike out a lot. He doesn't swing and miss a lot, so that's good. Um, 
Hayden Dunhurst, the catcher. I really like Hayden Dunhurst. Um, he may have the best throwing arm of any draft eligible catcher I've seen recently. Like I have seen people, I have seen scouts this year put an 80 grade on it. Um, I only got to watch him for three games, two and a half. He came out of one game. So um, I, I, I can't necessarily say with certainty he gets an 80 grade, but it is very, very good. I remember uh, seeing him. He hit about 90 miles an hour throwing to second base one time. His pop times are somewhere around 1.8, 1.85 seconds. So just fantastic. Um, to go along with that, he's very good at blocking balls in the dirt. Very good receiver. Great at stealing strikes. Not necessarily that you need that. Um, coming up soon, we think you're probably going to have automated balls and strikes again. But very good at stealing strikes and very good receiver. Um, Hitting, he's it's been better than you expected, but he's probably going to end up being fringe to average hitter, um, but with average or above average power. So, I mean, really kind of thick frame. Uh, I think that, I mean, the raw, the, the, the raw power is plus. The question is, can he translate that into games? And then to go along with that is shortstop Peyton Chatagnier. So, um, a guy that I think. He's re- he's lowly rated in the class because he's playing short and he's probably average at best. His arm is kind of fringy; doesn't have a ton of power either in his um, in his hitting or in his throwing. But if you put him at second base, I think he's going to be a plus defender at second base. Um, draws a good amount of walks, hits plenty of line drives. Uh, I think you can shorten up his his set up a bit. He's a bit busy, has a lot of stuff going on, ton of moving parts. If you simplify that a bit, maybe he can tap into some power. But I think he's probably going to be a round 15 or later kind of guy. And I think that whoever gets him, if they decide to go ahead and move him to second, I think he's going to end up being better than that grade of in the 400s. So you can watch all of these regionals. They start on Friday. I believe just about everything's carried on the on the ESPN family, whether it's uh, linear TV, streaming online, things like that. Um, exciting. Great week this week. Tons of fun stuff coming up. Some crossovers, some interesting prospect talk. Um, can't wait to get it to you. But until then, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects. Uh-huh.